welcome back to the Back Yourself, Don't Attack Yourself podcast with me, Sophie French. I am just landing back to earth after a four-day Vipassana silent retreat. And I really wanted to share today the things that I learned through being silent for an entire four days, which was a combination of absolute bliss. And of course, there were also struggles and questions and wonders and insights and all of the feelings along the way to navigate. And this felt really fitting within the season of self-care and surrender. Because the theme essentially, at least my theme of the retreat, was all around letting go and acceptance and what happens when we actually surrender to our own mind, to our own feelings, to the own sensations in our body, to pain, to the impermanence of life, to the impermanence of everything that circles us and is around us and that we experience. And it was totally this, not just a conscious knowing of the power of surrender, but it became this absolute embodiment of what it means to surrender and how much power there is in letting go, in letting our guard down, in easing up on ourselves and not needing to be in this constant battle with life, with ourselves, with what's going on around us, with the rest of the world that we often very naturally find ourselves in. So I really wanted to share today some of my own personal learnings that I would love to guide you through and share you with, share with you in the hope that they will inspire you too to drop deeper into the practice of surrender and self-care. So let's dive in. A Vipassana retreat, they are most commonly for a 10-day experience. Lots of people do them for 10 days. It's kind of the optimum time. It's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. And so when I saw that there were, that there was a four-day um, freestyle Vipassana, it was called, so a little bit more relaxed than is the usual format, that immediately called me. One of those things that has been on my bucket list that I never gotten around to doing. So when it popped up into my awareness, I was like, okay, this is for me. And I was really drawn to experiencing it. It's one of those things that so many people have told me that they would love to do one day. Um, and I was absolutely there too. So I finally decided to take the plunge and go for it. But with that, there was naturally a lot of resistance. Um, mostly because one of the days that I was going to be in silence in the retreat was my birthday. And I have never spent my birthday without people or parties or things or stuff going on, let alone being in complete silence within a process. So 
I was really nervous. I was, yes, very intrigued as to what would go down. But ultimately, I had all of these questions like, um, how am I going to cope on my own on my birthday? What if I feel lonely? What if I don't have fun? All of the things, all of this pressure that was on myself. Um, And I was thinking, is it really tragic to just be in silence on my birthday? Am I just letting this day pass me by? Am I avoiding something? All of these questions were coming to the surface, even in making the decision. So I guess that's the first thing to really note here is how much resistance shows itself, how much resistance comes up. Even until the morning of going to the retreat, I still had in my head, like, there's still time to change my mind. I don't have to go. Um, There was even someone who was willing to take my place. So I was really in that mode of like, I'm not sure. And the resistance was really showing up. As resistance does, our ego brings up a lot of resistance when we want to go into surrender, when we commit to meditating, when we want to drop deeper and drop into that inner world. Our ego is the first thing that wants to distract us and wants to take us away from that because what we may find under there is enough to destroy our ego. So naturally, our ego is going to really want to stop us from doing that. So really allowing yourself to know this. People often ask me, why do I not do those things that are really good for me? Like if they're not keeping up their yoga practice or they find themselves reaching for their phone in the morning or they know that they're not resting even though they should... And, you know, they ask, why is that happening? I know I always feel good after it. Why is it so hard to do the things that feel good? And it is because our ego gets in the way. It doesn't want to be destroyed. It doesn't want to be um, overlooked. And so when we can really be aware of that, that that's what's happening when we feel so much resistance, it's not because we're lazy. It's not because we're no good. It's not because we can't do it. It is quite literally our ego putting up a fight to say, don't look past me, don't forget about me. And when we can see that and bring awareness to that is a really powerful place with which to go, I see you, resistance, I see what you're trying to do. And I know actually what's on the other side of this is going to be really beneficial and to just be in that space. So once I'd finally gotten over my resistance and found myself at the place like, okay, I'm actually doing this, was when I started to shift and started to surrender and had to surrender to, okay, I'm doing this, I'm in, I'm committing and to let the days unfold. And something I noticed was how afraid I was of being bored. I was even asking the question, has anyone ever died of boredom? Has anyone ever been bored to death? Because that is what I was most afraid of. You know, I know I'm not alone in knowing how stimulated and overstimulated I can certainly be particularly when there is there's so much to do so much I want to learn so much I want to seek or 
read or experience or do or be in or create. It's a constant and I can be on this constant mission to be doing something, essentially to be filling my time, filling my schedule with things and tasks and everything because there are lots of things to do and be and experience. And so the thought of A, sitting in meditation doing absolutely nothing for up to five hours a day was pretty scary. Plus being in silence, so having no one to distract with and not having access to my general use of distractions, no access to my phone or my laptop or any books or audios to listen to or snacks to snack on or TV to watch or any of the other things that I might do to distract myself sometimes. But I was really looking forward to hitting the reset button and to be, to get into a really intentional place with which all the things that I do do, yes, sometimes out of distraction, but also because I want to, because I enjoy them, because I want to soak up as much as possible, but ultimately to make sure I'm doing everything as much as possible with intention and with presence. Because, because otherwise, I'm doing all of these things, but am I really experiencing them? Am I really soaking them in? What are they for? What are they giving to me? What are they providing me with? So that's the main thing that I really wanted to experience, to hit that reset button and get back to a point of, how do I actually want to spend my time? And I have definitely found that almost a week and a half later, having come back from the retreat, that my time feels so much more intentional. It feels stretchy. It feels precious. And it, I can actually indulge in the things that I am doing and making sure that I'm spending my time in these pockets of things that I want to experience and amazingly I seem to have so much time than before. Um, either I've stepped into a magic portal where there is so much time or my perception and my baseline has really shifted in terms of simply being a lot more present with each thing that I choose to do with my time. And as it turns out, no one ever did die of boredom and I didn't die of boredom. So that was really good for me to know. And a quote that came through that somebody shared on the retreat, there were teachers that were speaking and guiding us, was if you don't know what to do, do nothing. And that really hit a nerve with me, really sparked something in me and it's something that I will share a lot with clients too in that we can get so busy in our brains and we can really get overwhelmed. Something that 
my clients struggle with the most is a feeling of overwhelm because it feels like they have all of these things to do and they don't know where to start. And the beauty of deciding to do nothing, which feels really counterintuitive when we've got so much on our plate or on our to-do list, the natural thing would be to start taking action. But actually we start taking action from a place of overwhelm and nothing is really done very effectively or very productively. And so actually by stopping, dropping, breathing and doing nothing, you will reach this space of quiet where it is rather your subconscious that begins to lead. It is the inner self that really wants to guide you, that really wants to show you what's most important, that will begin to make its way through to give you some breathing space to actually decide what's my next right action, what is my next right step. So something that I would really recommend trying along the lines of this and something that I share a lot when people ask me what to do about overwhelm is within this, if you don't know what to do, do nothing. And to add to that, stop, drop, breathe, and let your answers come. Ask yourself, what is my next right action? And see what comes to you. From that space, you are leading with intention and you are leading with your inner knowing. The next part that I really want to speak to is the fact that I was there on my birthday and what I really learned from that experience. And as I've been thinking about it and reflecting on it, I've realized how much, you know, for me that it felt like a really big deal to be simply with myself on my birthday. I'm so used to celebrating and being, you know, celebrating outwardly and being with people actively and speaking to them. But actually what I've realized is how much for this entire year that many, many people around the world through lockdown have had to experience their birthdays on their own, have had to experience and do a birthday differently, have had to adapt and change and have that experience as well. And the thing that it really, really made me feel that I was really surprised at was how appreciative I could truly be for the little things, for simplicity. I know from birthdays in the past and when I speak to a lot of other people and they say, I just don't like birthdays, I try and avoid them, it gives me a lot of anxiety often we have all of this pressure that we put on it being this big thing and we have to do the best and make it the biggest and be surrounded by the most people or receive the most messages and it just becomes this real state of putting our experience externally almost being reliant on other people to um, make it for us and all of these things at least that was certainly my experience and What I really was able to realise when I was simply left to be with myself 
was how much it was possible to be grateful for. And that actually, this experience was the biggest gift I could ever have given to myself. I gave myself the gift of myself. I gave myself the gift of complete presence. And I gave myself the gift of gratitude. I was able to really drop in and experience how grateful I could allow myself to feel for the simplest things that I might take for granted every single day. So when everything is reduced to the basics, I was really able to be grateful for being able to move my body and do a yoga practice and be purely connected to myself, connected to my body, noticing how good it felt to feel alive, to be alive and to actually cherish that on my birthday, my day of birth, to take some time to be in my body, appreciating that. That I was able to appreciate food and taste it in every little aspect of it, soak in the flavours and to really be in that as opposed to a lot of the time I definitely connect birthdays to being full of wine and cake and overconsumption of all the things and bringing this back to simplicity and actually tasting delicious wholesome, pure food was really, really special to have such presence in a meal. And to really bask in nature, this thing that I have available to me every single day, I was really able to experience, to fill and fuel my senses with it in certain ways such as watching as the sun came up, really watching the sky change, watching everything that was around me, really being present and picking myself a flower that had fallen on the floor and smelling it and soaking it in and having that as my little flower gift to myself, listening to the birds, feeling the sunshine on my skin and being so totally present with all of these natural gifts. And things like then watching the sun go down, watching the sunset, and again, watching the changing colour of the sky, being fully present in watching a sunset. Yes, while I'm here and I live in Bali, I get to watch sunsets all the time, but there's no denying that I spend a lot of them either taking pictures of them or listening to music or talking to someone while they're happening or eating a meal never truly being in that experience. So to simply do nothing else but watch this light show in front of me was absolutely beautiful. And in the same way, looking up at the stars, being present and fully seeing this landscape, it was such a magical time to really, really appreciate these beautiful gifts of life that we have available all the time if only we would stop and soak them in and I was lucky enough to have a couple of friends with me and around me at the retreat and so even little notes that were left for me um, 
and a little candle was so beautiful and I cherished them so much and set up a little birthday altar for myself and also wrote a birthday letter to myself which was such a gorgeous practice to really speak to my inner self to give myself the gift of one of my love languages being words of affirmation and really being able to fuel that for myself and I wrote a letter from myself of now about the year gone by and the years gone by and where I'm at and I also wrote myself a letter from the future from the 90 year old version of me having her 90th birthday and looking back to now and what she might say to me, what advice she might have for me, what nuggets of wisdom she wanted to share with me. And that was such a beautiful practice too, to be able to really be present in that and to receive this gift from within. There was so much power in that and in the simplicity. So it was for sure one of my favourite birthdays ever, which I never thought I would be saying, but it was a really, really special treat. And does this mean I didn't have cake or wine for my birthday? No, it does not, because when I got back, my, I was lucky enough to have my gorgeous friends throw a little gathering for me, in which I fully indulge shall we say um so balance you know um but that was really special as well and also helped me appreciate doing birthdays differently and fully receiving and I'll be sharing more about the gorgeous ceremony that they threw for me over on my instagram at sophiefrench.co The next piece that was absolutely huge in my realisation was just how much I bloody think. How much we all bloody think. And there was a point where I thought, well, one of my favourite things to do is think. So why would I not spend my entire time thinking? And... Naturally, with meditation, the idea is that you become the observer. So it's not about stopping thinking, but it is about becoming aware of how much you're thinking and becoming aware of where your mind is going. It's stepping into being in the observer seat rather than necessarily getting lost in all of the stories that we think of and that we feel into and of course this is a lot of the work that I teach about how much goes on in our brains and how really a lot of the things that we think are simply stories that we can get ourselves lost in and that actually we have a lot of control over what stories we decide to go into what stories we believe in where we put our focus And so this experience was really such a reminder for me in that, in the fact that we are thinking all of the time, all of the time. It rarely, rarely stops, but we have so much power when we start to become aware of 
What is it I'm actually thinking about? Is that true? Is it serving me? Do I need to go into this story? Is this necessary for my life? Does this make me feel good or does this make me feel like shit? And to really begin with questioning what is going on in our minds. Because while we cannot stop the thinking, what we can do is shift where we're putting our attention, is to shift what we're actually deciding to focus on. And I notice so much how we absolutely have the power to do this and how we have a choice in every moment as to whether we run off with these made-up stories. So I started to see this when I was sitting in meditation and at one point, uh, you know, so many memories come up, so many images and thoughts and questions and plans and visions and all the things. And one of the things I was thinking about Tesco at home, my local Tesco. And I thought, why? Why is that in there? Uh, For what purpose would it be useful for me to picture myself walking around Tesco right now? And so in just seeing that really random moment, seeing how random so many of the things that pop up in our heads, that was one of those moments where I was like, I don't want to think about that. That is so boring. If I did think that anyone could die of boredom, it would definitely be by imagining themselves walking around a Tesco when they have an abundance of things they could choose from to think about. And this was a really, you know, seemingly simple but actually very significant moment where I realised, I don't want to think about that, that's boring. And so I'll bring it back. There is absolutely no way that I would think about that. And so I was able to really witness the power that we hold in choosing what we want to think about. So when I was then finding myself lost in a story about a problem or a belief or something that was driving me a bit crazy or didn't make me feel so good, I could see then that by going into it, I had a choice. Did I want to keep going over this story? Was it serving me? Was it of any benefit? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes it was helping me process some things. Sometimes I was able to reach a conclusion. Sometimes it was helping me to sift and sort through where my heart was at. But in other cases, it was just running a story on a loop that wasn't making me feel very good or that wasn't helping me or serving me or supporting me or making me feel the way that I wanted to feel. And so in that moment, I had a choice. Do I want to still keep thinking about this? Do I want to keep going down this loop? Or do I want to bring it back to awareness? Because as soon as you bring yourself back to the observer seat, back to the point of awareness where you notice and see what you're thinking about and see what's going on, is the moment that you dissipate that and that you actually let that go. And that is such the power of meditation we often think it is to stop the thoughts but actually the beauty and the power comes in witnessing where is our point of focus right now what is the predominant thing that's coming up in my mind and starting to notice patterns and how things go and witnessing the passing witnessing the coming and going witnessing that there is actually a lot of choice that we have in where we position, where we're putting our mind, even if it doesn't feel like it. So bringing ourselves back to 
that observer seat. That for me was so powerful. And that really brings me on to the the final key realization that really came to me and that again I was really able to embody in a big way was being with our pain and that can be pain in terms of our emotions and our feelings also physical pain that manifests itself in the body in terms of you know when you're sitting in meditation for an hour an hour and a half or longer then naturally you're sitting if you're sitting completely still then certain parts of your body can go numb can go dead definitely had dead legs at times um, pins and needles there can be back pain backache tension everywhere in our bodies and the invitation throughout the vipassana was to be with that to be with the sensation and to witness how much we try and avoid that or try and move our bodies in order to resist it or change it and it was such a metaphor for how we often do life as humans we spend our entire lives trying to run from our own pain you know that's the the key work that I do with my clients is supporting them to stop avoiding and to stop hiding and to stop distracting from their core deep inner wounds and their pains and to provide a container and a really safe environment for them in which they are allowed to feel them and therefore heal them because when we're avoiding something moving away from it distracting our attention from it it keeps playing it keeps running on a loop because it's not complete whereas when we allow ourselves to go into that space to actually accept that it's there is really key and ultimately to surrender to it to stop fighting that pain to stop wishing that it wasn't there to stop trying to avoid it or not see it or not look at it because actually the moment that we do is the moment that it begins to dissolve, is the moment that it actually stops having the power over us when we don't give it that power anymore, when we hold our hands up and say, okay, I see you, I feel you, is the moment that things begin to shift physically in our bodies, notice it, you know, be with that, notice the pain, notice what comes up when you're in meditation, when you are with yourself, And notice how it dissipates and dissolves when you actually allow yourself to be with it, to sit with it and to allow it to move through. Something that I talk about a lot is the only way out is through. And this is a mantra that I bring to all of my sessions and all of the work that I do with clients and in workshops and on retreat is to invite people to feel their feelings and this is what's so beautiful about the emotional freedom technique tapping work that I do with people and NLP neuro-linguistic programming changing our brains changing our memories changing our subconscious programming is when we actually allow ourselves to go into the feelings and feel them because then we can move them through our bodies, we can actually release them, we can 
shift them, dissolve them, dissipate them. And when that is done, they stop running the show. They stop being our core feelings or the core things we're trying to run away from and our subconscious then creates behaviors in order to avoid. Can you imagine what life and general day-to-day is like when we don't have this underlying battle within us giving all of this energy to distracting or avoiding our pains ah there's so much relief that comes when we surrender and when we say all right I'm ready to look at you I'm ready to feel this I'm ready to be in this because then we can let it go And that was such a key message that I was again reminded of and able to truly embody and to fully witness again by watching this play out over the four days with nothing else to do but witness. So that was really huge and and totally adds another layer of absolute certainty that I feel in that that the only way out is through that when we feel it whatever it might be in that moment is how we heal it and this is actually something that I'm going to be diving deeper into within my upcoming six-part course series tapped in which is all about how to utilize the EFT tapping technique to gain deeper insights into our pains to help you become your own coach so you can literally coach yourself through anything and how you can really use and utilize tapping to feel your feelings to not be afraid of your feelings and to clear out and cleanse any of the blocks subconsciously that are getting in the way of you having the things that you want. It's going to be a really beautiful journey and I'm so excited to be creating it. So if you would like to be the first to know when this is released, you can head over to sophiefrench.co forward slash tapped in and you can register your interest there. You'll be put on the waiting list and you will be the first to receive the details of when that course is released. And I did share on my Instagram story poll a question to ask me any questions about the retreat that you wanted to know. So I thought I would answer those now. So the first question was, did you ever get bored? And as I have mentioned, boredom was the key thing that I was really afraid of. And I think there was one time period, it was like two hours, there were two hours to go between eating and the next meditation or teaching. And there was just this free time with which we could be quiet and do nothing. And it felt really stretchy. It was that point that was like, all right, I am ready to go now. And um, one of the teachers joked and said, there is some. there are some of you that might not want to leave or might want to stay longer. And me and this girl just kind of caught eyes with each other as a full no. By that point, I was ready to go because the 
twitchiness, itchiness of boredom was starting to creep in. Um, it was amazing to sit with it. But it was also really amazing to just admit like, okay, enough now and to witness that. The next question was, what did you do all day? So most days were set out really similarly in terms of the schedule. So a, we were woken up with a gong every morning and there were no, uh, no one really had the time because we didn't have our phones. So we just had to rely on this gong and these bells that came around the um, hotel to tell us when our next thing was. And they woke us up at 5.30 a.m. And we went into an hour yoga class and then an hour meditation. And then we would have breakfast. Um, and then there was a two-hour teaching with a meditation teacher. Then it would be like a walking meditation or a being meditation, ideally, that you were just present in whatever it was that you were doing. And then we would eat again. And then there was more meditation. It got to the point where I was looking at the schedule like, wow, we've got to sit down four times for meditation. And I was like, okay, two down. What's next? Like you had to... I really had to meet those meditation milestones almost to move through the day. And there was resistance that showed up at every point for sure. Um, and then there was kind of personal meditation time, free time, where you would sit and do nothing still. Um, but that was an invitation to just be and we could have a cup of tea and be really mindful or sit in the sun or you know there was a time where I was just lying in the grass watching the clouds pass by and it was one of those really beautiful moments and reminders of how often do we really do that anymore you know I remember as kids just kind of doing that and watching the world go by so it was really nice to be with that and watch any creatures there was one point where I was walking back towards my room and actively sat and watched a centipede this big juicy orange centipede make its way to wherever it was going and I just kind of chilled and watched it and I thought there is no way I'd do this any other time I'm always in such a rush there's not a hot minute to do that so yeah, these little things, you just kind of savoured them way more than I usually would. And that was what really helped to pass the time and to not necessarily notice that there wasn't much to do. The next question was, how did you communicate with meals and things? Um, so if anyone wanted to communicate or, or had a question for one of the guides we could write it on a piece of paper and hand it in and they would um, be able to share and with dinner it was all laid out as a buffet style so everyone could just go and help themselves and didn't need to um, make eye contact or communicate in any way and um, naturally I was a bit giggly and I was I really was tried not to break the rules but sometimes with certain people because I knew certain people and they just made me laugh being in their energy um, I did find myself just being a little bit giggly but no one kind of caught on um, 
no one would play with me. So I soon learned, like, just stay in your own lane. No giggles allowed. So I had to learn to giggle on my own. But that was actually fine and what I seemed to do quite a lot of the time anyway. So that was nice. And another question is, was it hard remembering that you couldn't talk? It actually wasn't that hard for some reason. I think because everyone went into it together, it just felt, and because I'm so mentally prepared that I was going to not speak, it just kind of naturally happened and didn't feel so difficult. But there were definitely times where... um, because I was sharing a room and so to navigate like going to the bathroom or switching the light on or off or the air conditioning or the room temperature to navigate that like when you're sharing a room with someone and to not be able to communicate that was really interesting to just have to trust that you could work around each other um so that was really cool to really witness how much you can actually communicate just in your energy and how much We often talk for the sake of talking when actually sometimes it's just nonsense and it's not actually necessary. That was really cool to experience. The thing that I did find weird was not singing because I sing a lot like when I'm in the shower or wandering around or generally getting ready. So that was really strange to not have access to that because that's the thing I'm used to doing when I'm on my own really anyway um more so than talking I don't generally talk to myself at least not out loud um but I do sing a lot so that I found really strange and that was the first thing that I did as soon as we were allowed to break the silence I sang and had a shower and it was such a treat um Yeah, that felt really special and I've definitely appreciated my voice and song and music in that way so much more than before as well. So these are some of the questions that I have had so far. If any others come up, then please do send them through to me over on Instagram and I will reply to them and share anything that you would like to know. And I wanted to conclude this episode by reading a passage from one of my new favourite books, The Untethered Soul, The Journey Beyond Yourself. This book is by Michael A. Singer. And I was given this for Christmas and I took myself to a gorgeous little hotel in Ubud and in the rainforest and read it from front to back. And it was really a game changer for... Um, how I felt this year and it's really relevant to this talk about letting go and surrendering and also about being with our feelings and feeling them to heal them. So I highly recommend reading the book and this passage says, learn to be centered enough to just watch your stuff come up. Once you sit deeply enough inside to stop fighting the stored energy patterns They'll come up constantly and pass right through you. They'll come up during the day and they'll even come up in your dreams. Your heart will become accustomed to the process of releasing and cleansing. Just let it all happen. Get it over with. Don't process them one by one. That's too slow. 
Stay centered behind them and let go. Just like the physical body purges bacteria and other foreign matter, the natural flow of your energy will purge the stored patterns from your heart. Your reward is a permanently open heart. There is no more valve. You live in love and it feeds you and strengthens you. That is an open heart. That is the instrument of the heart as it was meant to be. Allow yourself to experience every note the heart can play. If you relax and release, this purification of your heart is a wonderful thing. Set your eyes on the highest state you can imagine and don't take them off. If you slip, just get back up. It doesn't matter. The very fact that you even want to go through this process of freeing the energy flow means you are great. You will get there. Just keep letting go. And there you have it. A little rundown into my key insights from spending four days in complete silence. And what I really learned from going through that and how I will continue applying it to my life and how we can really all apply that to these real reminders of how much we need to stop, drop and breathe sometimes. To simply stop getting so caught up in everything that's going on and actually lean back into the seat of the observer to witness ourselves, to witness what is going on, to let things in and to let them go. Because what else can we possibly do? When we are trying to control everything, we are in a fight, we can be in a battle, we can be trying so hard to hold on. So my question for you to ponder right now is, where can you loosen the reins a little bit? Where can you make space for a little more magic? Where can you let go and surrender enough to let what is meant to be flow in, to let what is not meant to be flow out and to trust that beautiful process of these incredible forces that are always going on around us at all times that we can't even see or understand but that are supporting you, guiding you and helping you to move through this life. What needs to happen? Where can you loosen that tightness just a little bit? Lean back, surrender and trust the process. A huge thank you to the company that was running this retreat, Nimana, and to our meditation teacher, Jeff Oliver, who was really amazing and was really super supportive in sharing his knowledge and his wisdom. If you want to hear more about other Vipassanas that are coming up in the future, whether you are in Bali right now or are planning to be here in the future, you can head over to nimana.community over on Instagram to stay up to date with that. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Any questions that you have, any insights you would like to share about this episode, I am always so open to hearing from you. 
and you can head over to at sophiefrench.co over on Instagram and feel free to drop me a message and let me know what's on your mind. And with that, thank you so, so much for tuning in. I hope you received some valuable insights that you can take with you throughout your week. And I will speak to you next time here on the Back Yourself, Don't Attack Yourself podcast. Thank you.